Zuski Campanella talking baseball. The man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, KC was winning, and Garen was beginning. One Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Cadell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell. And Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking baseball. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my co-hosts and stars of this show, Mark Wiley and Will George. This is a day at the yard, common sense pitching with Wiley and Will. We've got another great episode for you today, the back end of a Friday doubleheader. Before we let Mark introduce our guest, I just want to thank our 55,000 subscribers, faithful subscribers, grassroots MLB front offices spanning 74 countries now. We appreciate your support. Because of your support, we now are a major part of iHeartRadio's podcast network, a powerful network for them. Thank you for getting us that opportunity. You got us our cup of coffee. Now we are a permanent fixture on their podcast streaming network, so thanks for that. You can still get us on the normal normal apps, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher, but make sure you let iHeart know today after this show. Give them five stars. Make sure you write some nice comments because just like Major League Baseball, we battle the pod- podcast world analytics as well. So with that, Mark Wiley, Will George, welcome back to your show. Very good. Great. It's going to be great. Here, I think guys. you're going to love our guest today. Great. Well, do the, the warm up. I wish these guys. I'm going to tape our warm up one time, and just kind of let the audience know what kind of lather you guys get on before the show, because you do a full nine innings before the show as well, and we usually go extra innings too. So, but I'll let you introduce your guest today. Well, our guest today is Dom Cheedy, um, who's been a friend and colleague for over 40 years. Uh, we always laugh about this because you know Will George is my partner on this podcast and. I, I had both of them and and uh, when I was a double-A manager, and uh, I ended up being the guy that released Dom, and I traded Will. So, uh, see, I can keep my friendships over 40 years, even though I did some some negative stuff to my friends. Well, I'm, I'm saying, right? I've only known you for a little over a year now, so I've got another few years to go before you release me, cut me. <laughs> anyway... Uh, our guest today is, uh, he was the son of Harry Cheedy, a former major league uh, catcher for a long time. Um, Dom signed out of Raleigh, Egypt High School in Memphis, Tennessee as a second round draft pick in 1976 with the Atlanta Braves. Um, his playing career was from 76 to 80 with the Braves minor league system where he was, uh, uh, he hurt his arm later in his career. He was a high prospect. Um, I had a lot of accolades uh, coming along, but eventually got to us in Baltimore, where, where I first met went Dom in 1981. Um, and he uh, he stayed in the, the Orioles organization after finishing pitching and became a pitching coach in the minor leagues with the Orioles at that time. Uh, from 82 to 2003, he was a coach, a scout, a pitching coordinator, assistant to a general manager in both in all these Baltimore, Texas, and, and Cleveland. Um, 2004 and five, he was director of player personnel for the Rangers. 2008 to 2013, he was special assistant to GM and minor league pitching coordinator. In 2017-19, he was director of pitching uh, 
and director of player development for the Atlanta Braves. Um, had a lot to do with the team you see on the field right now. In 2020, he was assistant to the general manager of the Los Angeles Angels. And in 23, he was a minor league pitching coordinator for the Los Angeles Angels. His major league coaching career was uh, 2090 to 2093 with the Indians, uh, 2006-2007 with the Texas Rangers, 2014 to 2016 with the Baltimore Orioles, 2021 to 2022 with the Los Angeles Angels, and 2023 uh, with the Mets, all as a bullpen coach for all those organizations. Um, he's had some awards and, and, and accomplishments throughout his career. In high school, he was an All-American player. In 1977, he was a Western Carolina All-Star team member uh, as a member of the Cleveland Indians organization in 95 and 97 uh, when we won the National League Championship. In 2014, he was uh, a coach with the Orioles when they played the AL ALCS against the Kansas City Royals. In 2016, um, he was a coach he was also a coach with the Orioles and they, they lost to Toronto Blue Jays in 2016 in the wild card. Um, welcome, Dom. We're so glad to have you. Uh, you know, we go back so far. We've had so many experiences together, working together, uh, both with the Orioles and with the Indians. Um, you know, after that, we went our, we went our separate ways, but we were always in close contact and uh, with each other and, and just welcome. I know you've got a, a vast amount of knowledge in a lot of areas of the game, particularly in pitching. Uh, it's good to be here, Mark and uh, Will. It's uh, like you said, it's a long friendship and uh, we, we've had a lot of different paths, but I, I think, I think we've ended up a lot in the same spot, uh, what the game has given us and hopefully a, the little bit that we've given the game. No doubt. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a really, you know, it, it's been great for me to see you and Don and you, you and Will, you know, throughout your careers. Um, you know, it's not easy to have a career in baseball for, you know, 40 some years. Uh, you know, that's not an easy thing. There's a lot of uh, great players uh, that, that never really got the opportunity to do that. And, you know, you have to be good. You have to be a good teacher and that, that's the one thing both of you are. You're excellent teachers and great evaluators, and that's what keeps you in the game because people praise that. Well, I I appreciate that. It's it's uh, it's I've always I've always told people one day I'm going to grow up and get a real job, but uh, <laughs> the evol the evolution of what's happened over the pe over the careers of people that have stayed in the game is. You know, they've gotten to a point, uh, I don't know, for me it was six to eight years in. I, I thought I had it all figured out. And now 40, just finishing my 48th year, all I have now is more questions of how things, you know, how things operate, what's a better way to do it, you know, how, how to keep the, I call it individualism in the game to how, how people accomplish deliveries, how they spin pitches. I mean, in the last five to eight years, you've probably seen a lot more of the science come in the game. And most people at my age uh, really don't embrace it. And I'm kind of a little bit different in the fact that 
I've, I've worked hard to try to understand what it means, but also understand its limits. So that, that's kind of where well, I that kind of leads. That, that was one of my well put. one of my questions was how how much old school do you bring to a new age of baseball? Well, I mean, whether you call it old school or you call it traditionalist values, I mean, I think what's being lost in the game is young players competing against a track man setup or competing, you know, with an edutronic camera and the, the art of winning the baseball game is lost. And I think a good way to say it is how many tools can you put in your toolbox in order to win a game? Because I mean, we're, we're witnessing right now in the world series, we're witnessing two teams that, you know, they don't necessarily have the most talented person at each position, but what they do have is they have a collection of individuals that are willing to, to play as a team. They love playing together and they want to find a way to win a game, whether that's pitching, hitting defense, you know, the fundamentals of the game, all these things we talk about, you're, you're talking about guys that, that have found a way to be where the sum is greater than the parts. Yep. Very yeah. well put. Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I think you're right. You know, the, the competing against technology versus winning games. Um, we talk a lot about that on this podcast that, you know, uh, there's just not enough emphasis put on winning anywhere in the game. It's it's all matching the proper spin rates or slots or angles or whatever it is. Um, uh, that to me is created by by people that have knowledge that are trying to help, but haven't experienced winning, haven't ever known what it was like to be on a winning team or coach a winning team. Right. And I, th- uh, I Mark, I think. You know, I've had – I worked for some pretty good managers, and, you know, they, they use terms like knowledge and experience gives you wisdom. And and o- over the course of my career, you know, how much do I know? Like after 48 years, I know a lot less now than I knew back then. And I think where, where some of this analytics comes in is – you take it so far that they forget to compete in the game. There, I mean, we can talk deliveries, we can talk, but there, there's an analytical part of the game that's very useful. Spin rates can be useful. Uh, spin efficiency can be useful. The tilt on the ball, the tilt and, and axis of the ball can be very, those things are very useful and helping. But with that being said, you know, I mean, you'll have people today in analytics that will tell you there's no such thing as command. You'll have people tell you today that, you know, it, it doesn't matter what pitch selection is. And then through my career, and, you know, you're talking about parts of 40, 40 years of coaching in the big leagues. You're, you're talking and you you can talk to every major league pitcher that's had a useful career of more than 30, 60, 90 days. 
and every one of them will come back and say the same thing. It's about your ability to execute. It's about your ability to command what you're doing. And then when you get into that part, you can break that down even farther. Is it physical? Is it a mechanical delivery? Or is it mental? Is it a mindset? Is it, you know, your ability to control a situation instead of allowing the situation to control you? So, I mean, the, the tree just keeps branching off. I don't know that we ever really find the total answer, but when you stop at 18 inches of sweep with less than five inches, you know, when you say, okay, well, that's it. Then you're, you're really not doing your player any justice because, and, and you're seeing that a lot in pro ball right now, like average major league start is less than five innings. Wow. So you start talking through these things. Okay, why why is all this happening? Here's my question that I don't have an answer to. We have more credible information than we've ever had in the in baseball. We have better nutrition than we've ever had in baseball, even at the minor league level. We have better training than we've ever had. We have more scientific evidence that tells us what is the right training. But with that being said, we have more injuries than we've ever had, and our pitchers are pitching less innings than they ever had. have. So what's the answer? I don't think there's one direct answer, but there, there are a lot of things that, that are telling us that we're kind of heading in the wrong direction. Right. Uh, so, you know, so many of your points, Tom, we've, we've talked about a lot here. We had – uh, my nephew Jonathan works for the Rangers, and they had Greg Maddox in camp, and he he asked the same thing to their analytic department. You know, I, I love all your stuff. How's it going to make me win more games? And wow. they they actually had no answer for him because first of all, they didn't know how he won games, and they didn't know how he could apply that to make him win more games. And you know, uh, Dave just put up on our little text board here uh and you and i talked about this the other day you know 44,600 missed days by the 1200 men on major league rosters this year at a cost of 968 million dollars to the owners so your question needs to be answered and sometimes somebody has to have the courage to go ask the question to our industry, we're not, we're, we're not serving our players by keeping them on the field and keeping them healthy with what right. we're doing. And it's well, okay. we well, have a good, a good example. A good example of that is, and this is probably three years old now, but everybody was going to throw a four seamer and we were going to build efficiency and we were going to get 18 inches a hop. And we were going to get it up to 20 inches a hop and everybody was going to pitch at the top of the strike zone. Well, what we figured out really in the last year is you now have kids that that, that's there from an offensive standpoint, they figured out how to hit a high fastball and a high fastball is not new. No, the guest you're talking about having next week made a living. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Throwing high fastballs. Pitching, pitching up and down. You know, uh, Texas made a tremendous adjustment uh, the other night, and their hitters, they they talked about working on 
keeping their hands up and staying on top of the ball and getting on top of those pitches up in the strike zone. And they did it, and they did it extremely well. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and, Will, it's – it's don't – don't first of all, don't confuse simple with easy. Right. That's because true. somebody has a simple statement. There's all kinds of studies out there. It's called complexity bias. And you can read up on it and, you know, all these things. Basically – up is no good without down. Right. In is no good without a way. And hard is no good without soft. So, you you know, uh, I'm fortunate enough to, my brother-in-law was a hitting instructor for a long time. He managed the Phillies. They won a World Series. Charlie Manuel. And he, his comment used to be, hey, if I can get my front foot down, I can hit a bullet. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly so, right. You know, and all the, all the, but all these things are being lost through time. And we're, we're, we're not talking to our young pitchers on quote unquote, the ability to pitch. That's right. If, you, if you're a four seam guy and that's, Hey, look, use the information. This is, this is what I'm good at. I'm good at getting the ball to carry at the top of the strike zone. Now, the next step is how do I protect that? How do, how do I protect that asset? Well, the way to protect it is throw the ball down, throw yep. the ball down and up. So, so we, we, we stop at what's happening right now is we stop when these measurements get to where they are. When the reality is those measurements are the things that should help you determine what you're good at. Right. For it's a young funny. Pitcher. Yeah. You're right. In, in, it, and what people don't realize, it allows you to make a mistake right. because exactly you've right. used the entire strike zone. So when you make a mistake, it's not compounded like it is now. Yeah. You know, balls Look. aren't flying out of the ballpark. when guy, If you watch the best pitch games in the playoffs, they use all the quadrants yeah. of the deal. And when they make a mistake, you'll hear the broadcast say, well, you got away with one. And I go, yeah, but you're not telling them why he got away with it. Because well, he commanded his three pitches before that in different areas of the strike zone. That's why he got away with it. But they right. don't well, make any mention of it. Right. We all we all use we all use true media and it shows you the heat maps. They're they're very predominant yeah. in the game. They'll show a version of them on TV, yeah. everything else. But what it doesn't show you is what was the pitch before? Right. Exactly. What were the two pitches before? What was the how journey? Did, how did a player get there? A lot of times it's more important pitch selection-wise how a player gets to a pitch than actually the pitch that gets the out. Now, the, and that, that leads it, Mark, what is, you and I and Will, we've talked about this for 30-plus years. You know what? Command is boring. Command is dull, grinding work. But – Go look at the pitchers in the big leagues. The guys that are really good at what they do. Here's my best analogy I can give you. Guys over 35 are better than the young kids today. Why is that? Because you know what? They learned how to pitch. Then they took the analytics to enhance what they do. They did did not take the analytics first. In other words, I'm not going to put the roof on the house before I put the foundation is in. Yeah. You know, Dom, I was actually going to ask you right before we went on, but uh, covering you guys this year, Quintana 
uh, still really knows how to pitch. You watch what he's been able to do to extend his career over the last couple of years, uh, evolving, becoming smarter, but realizing it's not how hard he threw the games I saw him. He had good command and he executed pitches and mixed and stayed out of patterns and seemed to really do a nice job with that. And what's he, like 36 now? Right. I mean, I'll give you the five-second. Jose Quintana mentally is one of the best individuals. I mean, he takes personal responsibility for what he does. He's always in. He's always found a way to keep himself in really good shape. If you go back and look, this guy's pitched 200 innings in the big leagues multiple times. He's always in the 180s. All right. But you take Jose Quintana understands one of the most important things young pitchers can do is find out who they are. And I'm not talking about a young pitcher in 12, but I'm talking about 17, 18, 19 years old or a guy coming into pro ball. Who am I? And that's where some of this, the numbers can really help. They can help him at an earlier age, start to understand who he is and what he's good at. All right. This should be good for you now. But the second question to that is where do I where do I go to work on it to keep my strengths at their best part? And, and I think so. Jose Quintana is the epitome of a pitcher. It's it's literally it's ninety to ninety two. It's got what quote unquote is called perceived cut. All right. Now he's got a little two seamer that actually has way more carry on it than what people will tell you that are looking at a trap match should have. No, it play it plays well. It plays yeah, really and well. He, but this guy goes out, he competes with one thing in mind, win the game. Get my team into the seventh and eighth inning with a chance to win. Yeah. No. And, you know, and he showed a lot too coming back from a very serious – health issue that came up in spring training, right? So his work ethic, he was so impressive. And I know it was a tough year for you guys, but when I did you guys, it was really impressive to watch him go out and compete late in the season uh, the couple times that I saw you guys play. And I, uh, I tell you what, Will, he helped our younger guys. Yeah, yeah. He, he really helped our younger guys understand what it takes to win a major league game every fifth day. Well, you know, you said a mouthful when you're talking about guys over 30 and you know, they're better than the young guys. You know, we often say on this broadcast that when a pitcher's working, he has to know what a good one looks like himself so he can have feel. And it all and, and part of that is knowing the hitter's reaction. Well, that's what 30-year-olds do. Yeah. They've thrown enough pitches. They've repeated enough. They know what a good one is. They know what, they, what to throw based on hitter reaction and count. Yeah, that's what the young guys don't know now. Right. And well, that's that's what's so sad that they they just get so enamored front offices and, and, and with with how much stuff the guy has. You know, well, and, the, and they're not they're not winning games with that stuff. That might tell you something. Right. Well, the the game today is probability. Analytics, algorithms, all all the things that are used today, artificial intelligence. They're all probabilities. They're, they're the same as sitting down at a blackjack table saying, if I do this by what the book says over a period of time, this is going to happen. 
So you're talking – so let's take 162 games. This is going to happen – this percentage of the time, it's going to be successful. So instead of – and, Mark, what you said earlier is is really directly on point. Like, okay, the, the, the important question is, okay, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you that – okay, we need to understand hitter reactions. We need to understand, you know, pitch sequencing or pitch selection, whatever you want to call it, all these things. Who teaches it? How, how do you expect that you, you want a young pitcher to get to the big leagues that's never even looked for it or knows where to look for it? And then all of a sudden you start talking and you say, hey, did you see this swing in it? They're like, their eyes get big and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, you know, Dom and you were the farm director and I remember running into you and, you know, you would be out at the ballpark early talking and you had Mike Wallace over there with Atlanta as you were developing all that talent that's winning the national league East every year. But I watch now and I cringe because I watch bullpens where there's no interaction between pitching coach and pitcher to teach feel, to teach sequencing, to teach things that we all talk about, but everybody's looking at an iPad with a guy who's not even a pitching coach, and he's explaining what you just did. So somebody's doing all your thinking for you. It's a, you know I always talk about it on here. If I studied for a test, I did, and I, I ended up doing well, but understanding it. But if I cheated and some all, and somebody else did all the thinking for me, I never learned anything. Right. And I think we're at that point in our game where somebody's doing all the thinking as opposed to when we all signed, we were told to take notes during BP every day. Right. And look at swings and look at what guys did in the game and go, oh, this guy sits dead red early. This guy – you know, he's a first pitch fastball, whatever the case might be, we became students of the game. And I don't think nobody's telling these kids how important that is for them. Well, you know, this 100%. is what happened. This is what happens is, you know, because I know I was involved with the Rockies and in, in developing their pitchers. And we had, you know, we had a difficult situation there. Uh, we had to make sure they understood what toughness was and we taught we actually taught courses on pitching and video accompanied with video to show the value of pitching inside, you know, the value, how to pitch to different counts, uh, the values of different pitches, uh, the value of moving the ball around uh, causes the hitter to move the plate. Um, a lot of, a lot of things that, that, that we learned, um, you know, that was, uh, I saw the weakness that guys were coming out of college and high school of with no knowledge and having been told everything. So we tried to do our best job of making them make decisions. Uh, we even gave a picture, a, a, a baseball IQ test uh, at the end of every spring instructional league um, to see if they gathered the information that we taught throughout the, this, the uh, instructional yeah. league. But what happens is that it's so overwhelming with the analytics and there's so many outside forces where players go to their own facility, their own pitching gurus, they go to the stuff and they get, they get bombarded again uh, during their free time by people that really believe that, that all this information 
is going to make them a better pitcher well, without without getting the the the, the foundation done. And well, and, and I, Mark, that's that's an argument with anybody because there's plenty of organizations that teach the right things, but when they get to the big leagues, if they're if they're being forced to to swallow all this stuff and it's just going to take care of itself by by getting the right spin rate or angles. Right. I, I look, Mark, I look at two things in, in the comments you just made. Number one is, and Will, ex- exactly what you said, and I say it this way, we continually give people the answers to the test. Yeah. Our, our job is to invoke thought for them to become the best that they are. Yeah, that's, that, great, that's great our job. Point. All right. So by me continually giving you answers and you not being allowed to explore and the same and the same thing goes for. Look, I have nothing against these guys in the wintertime. They're not doing anything malicious. But what what's happening is a pitcher's delivery is an expression of who he is as a person. These things are all. Individual. Look, are there certain points that guys get to through their deliveries that we all can agree on? Yes, without a doubt. But what happens is what you hear this all the time. What's your philosophy? Well, the, the right answer to that question is who's the player or who's the pitcher? Yes. Right. It's not. Well, here's my philosophy. I, I believe in a deep hinge. I believe in quote unquote, ride the slide as, as I read about today. Who's the pitcher? There are certain guys, a guy that was injured last year with the Mets, throws 100 miles an hour. He's probably the weakest individual I've ever been around. But, you know, as far as being elastic or being able to move, yeah, this guy's at the top of the charts. So, okay, what's our job? Our job as an instructor is to study that player. That doesn't mean studying an iPad or studying a movement profile or studying a pitch break chart. It means watch how this guy moves. Understand who he is. Understand how things work in his brain. You hear it all the time. Well, this is the language we're going to go with. No. What's the language you're going to go with? The language you're going to go with, if you spent the time and understood that player, you're going to go with his language. Yeah, the one he understands. His understanding. But what happens in all this is there's it's shallow knowledge. It's, It's a very shallow thing to a young player. You know, but with that being said, yeah, where are the... You know, what? what is my sense of analytics? I think they're beneficial. As long as, look, what's the match? Who's the player? You know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, players were starving for information. They were starving. I think more important today is to get a young player to understand what information is relevant to him and what's nonsense. Dom, I got a question for you to follow up on that. I think you hit a great point. I want our audience to make sure they grabbed onto it. There's a difference between information and intelligence. And what you're talking about is transferring that information to intelligence that's useful. But I want you to hit on the flip side of your approach because we get a lot of gurus out there. I'm, I'm air quoting here on an audio only show. But uh, 
the flip side to your approach where a lot of these, uh, you get a lot of skill trainers out there and we don't, I'm not looking to bang on them, but just kind of caution them. What's, what's the damage that can be done if they are now tossing their learning baggage onto these young kids, whether they're youth kids or pro kids, because the way you approach is, is unique. A lot of these guys out there are teaching how they were taught. Um, and they're speaking more than they're observing, as you're, you're describing. So t- touch on the flip side of your approach a little bit and the dangers. Well, of I mean, there's there's a bunch in there, but it's look, I, I was fortunate enough. When I started, guys like Mark, guys like Kenny Rowe, Mark Connor, Dave Wallace, I mean, multiple, multiple guys. And but what was funny is you're and you're talking about a grouping of guys that have had some of the greatest pitchers in the world over the last 30 years, you know, from the Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, guys like that. And they but they all said the same thing. Make sure when you shoot the first bullet, it hits. But you, because you have young pitchers that are craving and they, most young players, especially they they're they're pleasers. They want to please you. So if you say something, that's where they're going to go. Now, with the older pitchers, they're a little bit more skeptical, and they'll take bits and pieces from a lot of different people. But the young guys, that's their lifeline. you got to understand as a coach, whatever you make important, that's what they're going to make important. So you have to be careful and just going in there, you know, What's my biggest issue with these guys that are running these facilities? Hey, they got three days to get all their stuff out. So they're going to fire out all this stuff. A kid's going to walk away and he's going to say, I got to do this, this, that, and the other, and all this other stuff. And no, you don't. You don't. Everybody throws a ball their own way. And they every time can be successful, David. I, I don't I don't know that there's one way. You know, Dominic, you know, and you you touched a little bit on it. You know, everybody's delivery becomes their athletic movement. It's the one that works for them. And I believe a lot of the gurus and and the places these kids are growing up in now and hitting and pitching, it's a cookie cut mentality where everybody has that semi-stretched delivery because nobody can actually wind up and get the balance and stay stay with balance, rhythm, and timing through a delivery now. So they're always trying to take a shortcut to simplification. And there are guys you have to do that with, but there are guys who are athletic enough to have a flow to a delivery that's going to lend to more deception, a little bit maybe a little bit more momentum in their delivery and a little bit more rhythm and timing that that's not happening because everybody is going into this cookie cut mold of, you know, everybody should hit this way and everybody should pitch this way. Well, you know, you're getting without a doubt. You're getting a a lot of with, with less innings being thrown by starters. Now it kind of perpetuates this, uh, uh, the physical effort more than ever before right you know guys aren't like you're seeing so few guys are asked to go through a lineup a third time and and again it even gets more perpetuated in in relievers because so many of them are only going an inning so 
you know, they don't want to do the work to command the ball because they just they're getting rewarded for throwing hard and throwing and having quick break and stuff just in the zone. You know, uh, not to be as good as they could be, but to be able to compete, keep a job, make money. Right. Um, right. So that's stuff that we're always battling against. That's why you work with the psyche of the player to try to get him to want to be the best he can be, to want to put the extra effort out, to put the work in, to do the repeating stuff that's well, boring. Well, um, they well, they got to well, learn I, that. Well, what, what Will's talking about is, is like, you know, we, we talk about today and depending on the biomech system you use, whether it's reboot or uh, I think there's one out there called Thea. There's also a Kenetrax uh, version. The, all, all these that are out there, they, they all agree on momentum is the biggest predictor of velocity. Okay. But to Will's point, What's the first thing you do? You cut a guy's rhythm, you cut his hand movement, you you cut these things, and you expect him to move fast. But but at the same time, you expect him to move faster, and you you want him to move more efficiently. So what is it? I I use the analogy that I I probably learned forty something years ago. Take a young kid, put his hands at his side, tell him don't move your hands but try to dance. And it's, it's almost impossible to do. And, and so therefore, if we believe in rhythm and timing and that's what it is, you know, what's a, what's a bad delivery repeated call. It's called deception. Yeah. All those things you're cutting out of him. And it happened to us this past year. I mean, we had a collection of guys that were the same animal. You know, there was a good video on Twitter this morning. I think Jeff Fry had of Goose Gossage talking to a group of young kids. Yeah. And he talked about the momentum that he created. And it was it was an ugly delivery, but it was he knew that if he stayed over the rubber, he stayed on line and he kept his front shoulder closed, that he was going to create the maximum momentum to make the pitches that he wanted to make. Right. And it was but such a simple description from a guy who was a three inning closer who was right. getting but, nine outs in games. Right. And but it was an animal that would throw 140 innings as a reliever. Now that now we say that's a good that's a fourth starter. Right. It, it you know, there's there's Dave kind of going back to what you asked earlier. The, I mean, there's two focus groups. There's internal focus and external focus, okay? And if you believe in the body, if you believe in the body, you're more concerned. And this was Maddox. This was You're talking about Glavin. You're, you're going back to some guys and people go, oh, they couldn't pitch today, you know. Yeah, right. I have my questions about yeah, that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, you're, you're talking about guys who were focusing more on what was going down at home plate which is external focus. A lot of times, and we still use them, I couldn't even tell you who started them because it was so long ago, but uh, is is using the strings because your body will orient itself in a lot it was, of cases. It was, it was Branch Rickey who originally did it. Yeah. And I mean, and then, so. Then it was, we brought it back every place I've been, I've had it. Yeah. And I've had the guys learn to build the proper ones. 
we we did it we did it for the last two months in in New York. We you know we we had them. I don't think the guy will mind us telling the story, but Zach Britton was out of options. He's out of options in Baltimore at the start of 2014. It's Dave Wallace and my first year there. We put him in the strings and we put up a quality major league strike, which is the hardest ball to throw is down on your glove side. Yep. It makes the, your timing has to be right. And for three weeks, Zach Britton threw in those strings and nothing else. And so the rest of his career, Zach Britton would literally carry the strings around with him. And if he didn't get in the game every other day, he threw in the strings to that spot. Never talked about his delivery, never talked about anything else, because he knew once that got there, his timing was right. So is it, does that mean the strings work for everybody? No, but it goes back to the original point. What's your philosophy? Well, who's the pitcher? Yeah. Guys yeah, move different ways. They throw different ways. The natural reaction today is a guy that's bigger and throws harder. You start cutting into his delivery because you want him to throw a strike. And actually that's the worst thing you can do. You know, you know, Dom, I came up with that balance rhythm and timing um, I was, I was, uh, I was with the Marlins and I was a special assistant and I was down in the minor leagues looking at double a pitchers and they were playing, uh, the team that I was watching was a Seattle minor league team. And they brought these, like the last four guys that came in the game were about six, seven, uh, two thirty five, two fifty, through 97 to a hundred they had nasty stuff and every one of them was like a mechanical man. And I kept watching it and I go, you know, these guys, some of these guys are good athletes. Why would you make them like a cookie cutter drop step turn go? I go, I understand that when we played, there were guys that kind of morphed into very simple deliveries because they didn't have the physical ability to balance very well. So they wanted to limit that or they had big hinges or whatever the reason was that you, you cut down on their delivery some. But the athletic guys, you know, I, I remember telling Dan O'Dowd, I, he, he got me in a discussion one time. And that's when I came up with the balance rhythm timing. I said, they, these guys don't have balance rhythm and timing. He said, what do you mean? I said, you know, you got guys you draft out of high school that were all state quarterbacks, point guards on championship teams and they're pitchers. And I said, and you take their delivery away from them with no windup? I said, those guys can do it, and it also helps with deception, not only with your timing, but with deception. So, you know, we went to simplicity. You know, like every pitching coach went to, well, I'll make it easy. I'll just, you just drop, step, turn, go. And, and you know, there are some guys that can benefit from that, but not to the extreme that they are in today's game. And I laugh in the playoffs some of the better pitchers have windups now. Right. Well, Mark, it goes back to the same thing. It, it, go, it goes, who, we're trying to build the player's best box. We're not trying to put him in what analytically people say is the best box. You're so, right. I mean, you, you'll see it all the time on break charts. You'll see guys that are looking at iPads and they'll go, that's not a good pitch. 
And, and from their perspective, they're looking at a mass of, I don't know, 100,000 pitches, 200,000 pitches, half a million pitches, whatever. They're looking at all this information. But the void in that whole conversation is it's not a good pitch in a vacuum, but it's a good pitch to his other stuff. Yes. If you look, yes. if you look at baseball today, three years ago, run value, the best pitch in baseball was a slider. Okay. Fortunate enough this past year, Adam Ottavano is probably one of the first guys that ever threw quote unquote a sweeper. Right. Right. Yep. This year, Probably not his best pitch. And you know what happened is everybody's throwing it now. So no, what happened, the uniqueness of that pitch has gone right. away. His, it's, just, uh, it's the his, same thing as the high fastball. And what his, you're seeing is when you when guys are facing right-hand hitters, they have nothing that moves back to a right-hand hitter. They don't understand the inside part of the plate. So what is it? That's why you're seeing more and more home runs leave the ballpark that ball's thrown on the outer half. If you want to go back to deliveries, the guy that everybody's teaching these deliveries today, I should say, except for this quote unquote hinge, actually comes from Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax did a thesis in 1960. All right. He did a thesis on how to go down the hill in the strongest position. Now, dealing with a hinge is it stronger? It may be stronger. I don't know the answer to that. But what it, I can tell you is it's probably not the most accurate. So at some point in time, your stuff doesn't play if you're not very accurate. Exactly. And, you know, some people don't need maybe what they, they perceive is, is the hinge causing them more power, giving them more power. You know, you, you don't need the power. If you have enough power and command, you got to know what what your feel is and your velocity rate. That's why I always tell guys, I said, when somebody asks you how hard you throw, it should always be commanded. I said, it's not how hard you throw. It's not how hard you throw against the radar gun. It's commanded velocity. So if you're really good at 93, you should stay there. You should stay there. You try to go 95 is when you're going to make your mistakes. Right. Well, and that's okay. what these guys have to be learned. You know, we talked about delivery a little earlier, and it's not nothing new. I mean, do you remember when Seaver was known for the drop and drive? Drop and, drive. And, right. and the Mets, for a couple of years, the Mets tried to teach all their pitchers drop and drive, regardless of what their style was. Exactly and right. That didn't work out very well for them, so they they dumped it after a couple of years. And I don't know who the one in the organization that made that decision because they uh, because their best pitcher happened to have a, a different type of delivery, but very few people could match that delivery. Right. I mean, and it, it goes with Mark. It, it's filtered into grips. I mean, Zach Britton had a unique grip on a sinker on his sinker. All right. So what do we? What happens? Everybody wants to throw his grip. Well, guess what? They don't throw the ball the same as, as Zach did. So so what's happening today is oh look at the, this guy has this grip and it, it and he gets this. So if you have that grip, you're going to get that. No. And that no. that's where a lot of this stuff and you you have to be young. You have to be very careful with young pitchers. Well, here, you know. here's an example. This I used to make guys after I learned this. I made our young 
guy when guys first came in to the organization, I had an inventory done um, on everything, hands, how they held the ball, um, all the things they did, we took an inventory. And uh, so uh, flashback to the Cleveland, you know, remember when we got Brian Anderson? Uh, yes. Dom? Yeah, we got Brian Anderson from the Angels, and he came over, and I remember working with him in the bullpen, and he did not have a very good breaking ball at all. Very, very poor. He couldn't repeat it. He'd throw one good one. He'd throw like four bad ones. And uh, we were working one day and he said, you know, the Angels, everybody's tried to give me a good breaking ball, Mark. I just haven't been able to master it. And I looked at his hands and I said, pull your thumb down. And he had like a double jointed thumb. And my daughter has it. My wife has it. And I pulled that thumb and his thumb could go down to like his wrist when he told it sideways. That's how he was born. And a lot of people have that. And if you don't have a stable thumb, you can't throw a curveball because right. it's going to kick out all the time. And I started looking, I go, Brian, we're not going to work on that anymore. You can't throw one because you're physically unable. So we're going to concentrate on your fastball, change up maybe a cutter, a little bit of a cutter. But I said, you have great command. You have a great change up. And I said, you can pitch just as well without having a bigger breaking ball because it's it's a waste of time because physically he wasn't able to do that. Yeah, I mean. And and, and, and I, that was the first time I, I mean, I've been coaching for a while when I finally noticed his thumb. And the only reason I realized it was because my wife and daughter have, a, have one a double jointed like thumb. They can't, it doesn't maintain strength. It's, it's it, it, go, it, it goes to the, look, you do this, do that. You know, like we've talked about for most of this time is, is study the individual, study the individual, understand that individual and go from there. And it's, it takes time. It's not easy. I mean, the, the grips, I mean, I've seen all kinds of grips. You, you know, you start talking about seam shift stuff and you start talking about, you know, down those alleys, you're, you're talking about, you know, but, you know, guys are throwing sinkers now, and basically it's it's a dry spitter grip. So there's there's so many things out there. I mean, if I if I can leave here today with the biggest thing is, especially with young pitchers, what is being better? Being better is being more consistent. How do I get more consistent? What is it, 10,000 hours, 10,000 pitches? I don't know. A jo Johnny Sane was around at the beginning of my career. Uh, Leo Mazzoni got a lot of credit in Atlanta with Glavin, Smoltz, Millwood, Avery, all that group of guys. That actually came from a guy named Johnny Sane. We were we literally got on the mound every day. Now, did we throw it 100%? No. We threw it 50 60%, but we practiced our craft. Feel. And all those guys did it. All those years through all those Atlanta pitching staffs, those guys threw two bullpens between starts. They they didn't throw one 60-pitch bullpen. They threw, they threw two 25-30 pitches. They got on the mound as much as they could. They lowered their intensity. And, and you'll find today that, oh, well, you can't do this. You can't, you, you know, well, you can't get up there too much. You got to, you know, this, that, and <laughs> 
Yeah, you got to go. Sure you got to go four and a third every fifth day now. Right. Well, if if it's so funny is is that nobody says anything about when guys are getting hurt now. They just act like that's just cost of doing business. Whereas in the past, if you made a guy do extra reps, if he got hurt, you know, you get fired in today's day in today's world. In today's world, having a guy repeat and do extra work. I used to have to fight, you know, guys that have time to do their bullpens. You know, in spring training, it's really tough when you're getting all these, you know, 75 pitchers ready for the season. And you got five or six of them on the rubber at one time, and they all got to get their work in. You know, it's hard to get extra reps. But when you're working individually with a guy, I can't – I I, I used to tell the pitchers, I can't stand it when you ask me how many pitches I've thrown. They go, how right. many pitches I thrown? Oh, I got three more. I go, no, you don't. You got as many as you want to do, you know, right. to get it right. right. Um, there's not enough of that done anymore. Right. All organizations do that. They limit the guy's pitches. They won't let him work on his breaking ball a little bit longer, work on the command of his fastball a little bit longer. No, it's a block. You got 40 pitches. That's it, 35 pitches. Okay, that's good. Last pitch, yeah. you know. And then the and, and then you have to stop the guy from going back and looking at the Rapsodo reading behind Let's go him. Go in and look at the iPad. They they want to look on after every pitch. I go, you know, you understand when you and I used to preach this to my pitching coaches. I say, don't interrupt the guy very often when he's throwing his side. You can talk to him, but when you stop him, he loses that rhythm and timing that you're trying to get, gain from repeating. And when I had guys that had real difficulty, like they were having some problems, I would make them rapid fire or I'd take them right from long toss right onto the mound and not take very long. And okay, let's get into delivery. Let's go wind up, get the ball back, wind up, get ball. You know, you got to do those kind of things to get a guy a sense of feeling his body. Right. Well, in in today's world, if you ask most people, they, they will tell you, the reason injuries are so high is basically guys through, throw too hard for their body. Yes. So it's 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 a it's unavoidable thing. Now, I think a lot of guys throw too hard for their body at that point in their career is the way I would say it. So when you're horsing young kids to throw harder, understand what's coming down the road. That was the great thing, Mark. Will we all experienced this? Guys would come from Latin America, especially the Dominican, and everybody would go crazy because they were playing long toss all the way across the field, from one foul line to the other, and it seemed like they never got hurt, and it seemed like they could do it every day. But all of a sudden, that was bad for them. But that's what their bodies had adapted to. They gained arm strength by playing long toss. Therefore, it was natural. They didn't start off with the ability to throw a ball across the field, but they, no, they, and they worked they, and they worked and they worked. It's yeah, like and they the pitched winter ball and they, during the season. And when you pitch winter ball and the season, you learn what your proper con- com- commanded velocity is. Exactly. That's how you learn feel. That's how you learn your repeat and your delivery. Right. Now nobody goes to winter ball. 
Right. You know, it, it's it, it, no good player does. They make so much money in the minor leagues now. Guys don't have to. They're just going to train with a, a trainer during the offseason because right. they can afford to do it. Right. We never were able to do that. But the, the biggest, David, for the biggest for me is the points are is uh, to me, timing is a very important thing. And anybody that tries to give you a philosophy one philosophy, then that's probably a person I really don't want to be around a lot. I guess that's the best way I can say it. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of gray areas. It's in the scouting world where, you know, I would sit in meetings and, you know, some people would say, you know, I only want a a taller right-handed pitchers. You know, you know, you don't want any, you know, six foot right-handers. Well, there's a whole winger of six foot right-handers in the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, you know, you want you, you don't want to ignore a guy for what he can do. You want to evaluate every individual as an individual and what he can do and accentuate that. And it's it, it, it's that whole cookie cut mentality that there are a whole bunch of gray areas in baseball. Right. Well, I'll, I'll give you the best one of all. And it's about the guy that will be on the show next week. If you want to do something really fun. Go to the Hall of Fame pitchers. Look at Jim Palmer's first year in pro ball. He was in the minor leagues. He walked more than one person per inning as an 18-year-old guy. And when you talk to Jim next week, because Jim Jim and I are pretty close, when you talk to Jim next week, ask him what happened. He was, he was allowed to do one thing in his bullpens, fastball down and away. We, we can cut this however you want to. There's, unless you're talking to Vukovic, uh, there's, there's three different ways to work a hitter, in and out, up and down, and back and forth. All right, those, those are the three. If you can figure out how to do two of them well, you're probably going to be a starter in the big leagues. If you can do one of them really well, you're probably a reliever. And that that's, you know, there again, don't confuse simple with easy. Well, you know, Dom, I, I signed with the Orioles as Jim did, and I led the Appalachian League in walks, hit batters, and wild pitches. I won the triple crown over there. But I went to instructional league, and I did not have uh, an analytic pitching coach. I had Ray Miller, who taught me some little things, you know, about focus and execution and not overthrowing and uh, throwing live BP to Eddie Murray before he went to winter ball. And little things like, uh, you know, you had said earlier about uh, Zach Britton with the focal point. You know, uh, he had me uh, focus not on the catcher or the mitt, but a string on the mitt. And he said, your eyes tell your mind and your mind tells your body how to make a pitch. If the more you do that and you throw the ball through that string, all of a sudden I go the next year to the Florida State League and I have a 2.1 ERA and win 12 games. And that was missing six weeks with mono. Um, But all of a sudden, I realized I didn't have to throw every pitch maximum effort. 
all I had to do was make pitches. And, and like, you know, those are simple things that we would probably stay a lot healthier if we went into that too, you know. There's, there's 30 major league teams. Nobody has enough. Right now, people are scouring the earth for starting pitchers in the big leagues. Nobody has enough. Nobody can develop. Why can't we develop them? You know, the, the numbers will tell you third time through the order, like you're saying, Will. But how do we how do we do that? Exactly what, what you're talking about. There, there's a point that stuff and throwing goes away. And it's your ability to pitch, make adjustments like Will, Mark, like you're talking about, see a swing, read a swing, understand what the hitter's trying to do to you. And the quicker... I've asked guys in the big leagues, have you ever watched video of you pitching and not watched you? Watch the hitter, and after every pitch, stop the video and look at him and say, tell me what the hitter just told you. The hardest hitter to, to, to evaluate is the guy that won't swing the bat. But once a guy swings a bat, he's giving you information. And that's what the whole genesis of it is. If I don't see the information – it's crazy. You know, Dom, and you had mentioned Adovina earlier. You know, he he continues to evolve as a pitcher. You know, this year, uh, and, and, and I'm sure you had a lot to do with this. Like you said, his sweeper was not his dynamic out pitch. That cutter, which played more like a true slider, and all of a sudden he started using more change-ups. Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, to go along with a fastball that still played well if it was located. And he did a really good job. And, you know, we just watched Kimbrell for the Phillies, who is not evolving. He's still trying to do what he did, you know, 15 years ago or 12 years ago. Where right. He's trying to throw every pitch 97 and every curveball 86, 87. But I've seen him when he backs off his curveball first pitch throw some really good curveballs this year. And I'm going, why isn't he trying to do that, to try to evolve and be a little bit different from what you always were? You know, that's where your self-evaluation comes in and figuring out how to get people out. It's hard. It's really hard for those guys that have had success and had already had a career to make adjustments. That's why those guys are special. You know, I mean – you go back to Tommy John and Frank Tanana, uh, Scotty McGregor, that were all conventional pitchers. Um, Tanana had tremendous stuff. They transformed themselves when they weren't. They didn't have the ability to throw as hard and have as nasty as stuff. And they were ju- just as good a pitchers or better than they ever were when they threw conventionally because they knew enough to make an adjustment and they and they embraced it. They embraced it. Right. And uh, it's it's really hard. I will say that it's really hard for a veteran guy that's had tremendous success, you know, like him with one of the best closers in the game for so many years. You know, it's like, hey, you, you're buying what you got. That's what you got. You, right. He's not going to make adjustments. Um, but he know, has Unless there's injuries. And injuries sometimes can be a blessing. You no, he has it. struggled for the last three years. And I think that's my frustration with him. You know, that that you know, the you know, the Dodgers 
uh, experiment in the White Sox. Uh, you know, he was traded a couple times, and he just has really struggled. And I watch, and I go, you know, I mean, Adovina uh, has been a really good seventh, eighth, ninth inning pitcher for a, a while now. And he's his biggest up. asset, Will. Adam's biggest asset is his ability to adapt. Yeah, yeah. And, he and wants, he wants to learn. He's always been a studier, even yeah. when he was at the Rockies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. And I, I, you know, you know, you guys know I'm still a closet Philly fan, being I grew up here, and I. It's frustrating to watch Kimbrel because if he commanded his fastball and used his, didn't overthrow his curveball and pulled it out of the zone. He would have been a much better pitcher for them down this that down that last little stretch there. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know that's the curse that we have of being pitching coaches, watching these games and seeing things that we think we could help a guy with. Yeah. You know, or I, I will I will mention one last thing. You know, as far you know, we talk about pitchers making decisions, learning how to pitch, evaluating hitters. It's just as important, and I used to always have the catchers in all meetings and all knowledge that I gave out, the catchers were always there because that's where it starts. You know, I coached for 17 years in the big leagues, and I can tell you the best teams I had had the best, maybe not the greatest hitters always as catchers or or ball blockers and all that, but but the guys that could call a game and understood how to use a guy's stuff and how to get a pitch out of the guy, um, they were unbelievably valuable to me. And, and I remember that, you know, uh, there's very few guys, pitcher, catchers in today's game that can get a pitch out of a guy. I see a guy struggling and he's in a jam. I don't think the catchers know what to tell him. I don't right. think they know how to get him to regroup. I don't think they know how to build confidence on the guy. They're like machines back there. They they don't know. They just don't know what to do. Right. Well, guys, we kept Dom for well over an hour today. We appreciate his time. Any any last questions for him or Dom? How would how would you like to leave our audience? So you had some great teaching points today. I think top to bottom, our, our group's going to get a ton out of it. How would you like to leave our audience today? Uh, I would take your time. You know, you're not going to solve today. So, but for young pitchers, take your time and understand that this is very difficult, what you're trying to do, and be able to work on it for a long period of time to have short successes. You're not going to push a button on a computer and get success. It doesn't work that way. Those things are fleeting or whatever and don't ever forget that yes you can command the ball that's the most that's what you started with today command is important i love that well uh will and mark any last words for the audience or how how do you want to leave them today no i you know i like what dom said that he's learned from managers he's worked with um it's uh it's it's great when you say knowledge and experience gives you wisdom and I, i don't think there's enough um, emphasis put on that in today's game with the people making decisions. Yeah. I'll, uh, I, I'll just add uh, you two guys have been uh, a, a big part of my life of being able to uh, work in the game for one less year than you, Tom. I'm, I'm at 47, but uh, 
you guys have taught me a lot. You've been great friends and uh, truly love you guys. And uh, you're a big part of what actually makes this game so great is the relationships we have as friends with you guys. So uh, thank you and uh, really good job today, Dom. Loved it. Yeah, we got to have you on again, Dom. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, no, it's you got you got a you you got your plate full. You got to start building a process for your pitchers over there in California uh, with the Angels. So, uh, you know, good luck with that. I think uh, I think you're the right man for the job, and we need more people in that job with your kind of experience. No doubt. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, best of luck in in the new position. I think that that organization is very lucky to have you. Our audience of 54,000, 55,000, sorry, cheated us a thousand. Got a great treat today. They got great pitching advice, great coaching advice. But also, I, I remark on this every time, outside of what Will shared with us before, that he's cut and released you guys both, and I'm waiting on my axe too. <laughs> I'm, I'm twitching here the whole time. But uh, we, we, they got a big treat today. 74 countries heard some great advice from the three of you guys today. But th- these two have a great thread of relationships that go through. That's the theme of all their shows. Yes, we talk pitching, but the relationships that come out in your shows are phenomenal. We encourage our audience to embrace both sides of this podcast. But thanks so much for your support. Make sure you give this one five stars. Write some great comments. That way we, we can let iHeartRadio know they made the right choice bringing our podcast onto their already powerful network. But 54,000 we'll bring back next week. They kind of teased a little bit next week, but we won't throw it out there yet until we get it on social. But uh I think we heard the we heard Jim Palmer as a possibility for next week. But uh, Dom, thanks so much. We appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Great Dom, job, guys. Yep. The Wiz kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball.